uh, when I started at China Radio International, I told the uh, woman in charge there, Li Ping, that I am a journalist, first of all. There are things I can do and things I can't do. I am not going to do propaganda. And uh, when it came to 9-11, I found I really learned where some of the lines were and the differences between Chinese journalism and Western journalism. Welcome to the CDT Chinacast show, and I'm Wu Nan. Today, I'm your host, and I have a special guest sitting down here in studio with me, Jocelyn Ford. She is a former China correspondent of Marketplace based in Beijing. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be here, and especially because we're old friends. I've known you for years in Beijing. Right. Jocelyn actually has just come back to America for the winter break. So how do you feel? Well, it's always interesting to return to the United States after being away for a while. I haven't lived here in many, many years, and a lot of things do change. So it's it's quite an experience to be back. Do you miss China? I've actually haven't been in China for three months now, <laughs> and I'm sure when I go back, it'll be quite different as well. Things change there so quickly. Tell us a little bit about your background of your journalist work in Beijing and what kind of story you do and how do you enjoy it. I arrived in Beijing on December thirty first, two thousand, just in time for the new century. And I first started working for China Radio International. That's the Chinese state radio, and it was one of the more interesting experiences I think that I've had in China. Um, I then the worked there for one year, and the next year I started with Marketplace. Do you have any special experience in China,、uh, like a special story that you think really、uh, helps you to understand the culture and all you think is most interesting part of your work? Well, I think one of the more intense experiences I had at China Radio International was I was there on nine eleven. I was. All my bosses were away, so I was in charge of the entire show. I was hosting it, but I also wrote it and produced it. And、uh, when I started at China Radio International, I told the、uh, woman in charge there, Li Ping, that I am a journalist. First of all, there are things I can do and things I can't do. I am not going to do propaganda. And、uh, when it came to nine eleven, I found I really learned where some of the lines were and the differences between Chinese journalism and Western journalism. What's the big difference? I, one of the more shocking things is I went. I behaved just as I would if I were in a Western news organization that day.、Um, it happened at around nine o'clock at night in China, and my colleague, who was a Canadian, he called me and called me up and said, "You've got to turn on the TV and and watch what's going on." We knew that would be our top story. We at that point, our news sources were basically what was on the internet, and that that's not great.、Um, it turns out that. Our Chinese colleagues were not ready to reveal any information about what was happening because the government hadn't told them to yet. Now, of course, I was not aware of this how the, exactly how the system worked. How did you find out, Lila? Well, I after our show because our, we had an eight to nine a.m. show. So as soon as I came out of the、uh, out of the studio, I, I looked around the newsroom and said, "Okay, what's the next cycle? What's going to be the top story for the next cycle? How are we going to get it?" And everyone just sat there like a bump on a log and sort of stared at me. And it's like, well, what are you doing? Aren't you aren't you thinking about this? And they said, no, our our boss is out at some meeting, completely unrelated to what I assumed was going to be a huge news story for a long time. He、um, he's out, and he hasn't told us what to do, so we're not doing anything. <laughs> and I immediately realized, this is not these people have not they do not have the news instinct. 
or it's been drummed out of them. And indeed, the mainstream media, all state-controlled, all media in China, of course, is state-controlled, had not been told whether they could report on this or not. So they were just sitting and waiting for the order. Now, having said that, some media, like what we did, they go out and they report on something until they get the message from from the uh, censors, whether they're allowed to or not, as you well know. Um, but I wasn't completely aware of that at the time. And, and So uh, later, do you have any story get published on 911? Well, uh, no, this was live. I mean, we had a live show. In fact, we were probably either the first or second news broadcaster or news organization to bring the news of 9-11 to China because others were just waiting for the for the green button to be pushed. Hmm. And I don't remember at this moment how long it took for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, our program was only in English. It was targeting foreigners living in China, so it wasn't as sensitive as, as the Chinese programs. Uh, the, uh, the Chinese government is much more concerned about what Chinese people hear than what the foreigners hear. So I don't think it was that sensitive. But I did sort of get into trouble later. You get kicked out from the station? I don't think so. But <laughs> what what happened is I treated this as a news story I, as, as a Western journalist would. I, My constituents, my listeners we were targeting were foreigners living in Beijing. And so the second day news story, we thought we'd go out and get reaction from China. I brought out my mini disc and and went to the streets and started to talk to people. And some of the people were cheering for the bombers. They said this was, you know, good good for them for for attacking America. And some people thought it was a tragedy. I had a, a mixture of, of views. Um, but when we went into the studio the next day, we were told no comments from China. We're not allowed to do person on the street comments. Oh, yeah? And, of course, I was disturbed by that because I don't really, you know, I had said at the beginning of the year I'm not going to, there's some things I can do and some things I can't do, and I'm not going to do propaganda. And my feeling at that point was by not saying what I had, that that was important information for our audience, um, relevant. Uh, what is the reaction from the streets on, on in China? People would be interested in that. So the way we got around that was my Canadian colleague. He had done Internet Reaction. Hmm. Um, from Canada, what people were saying online. And I had been told not to run the clips, the this, the uh, interviews that I had done in on the street. So instead, I just talked about them. <laughs> I said, this is what people told me. So in some ways, I followed the rules. In other ways, I didn't follow the spirit of the rules. But I don't think that's what really got me in trouble. I'm not quite sure yet. But I have a, uh, there was one other one other report I did that I think bothered them as well. So the real reason that I think I was kicked out, uh, well, the real reason I got in trouble in, in China Radio International is because I, after 9-11, I went to interview uh, the foreign community at a church uh, meeting. And I used a lot of sound and how people felt. And I put their emotions on the air, basically, um, all sorts of different reactions. And what really struck me was that um, I, I got a call after that from the New York correspondent at the time for China Radio International, and he said that was just so beautiful, and he was so struck by it because they never put in real people. They never put in people's stories. That's not considered news. And yet it's what happens to the people that is most important. But it made the various people at China Radio International very uncomfortable, and they had a huge meeting, a self-criticism meeting, where everybody was telling me I shouldn't have done that, and that's not appropriate for the radio, and, and um, you know, I should just do what the government tells me to, basically. 
Wow, this sounds really like during the Cultural Revolution, people doing this self-reflection that you made all these mistakes that you have to admit. You like an intellectual being attacked by the people. Was it because all the frustration you had in China Radio International that you decided to join Marketplace? Oh no, no, I'd worked for Marketplace before, and I was waiting for them to open a bureau. At the time, they did not have a China bureau, so I, I actually I had been their bureau chief in Tokyo. And I'd been、When? there a number of years, since 1994, so about six years. And I decided it was time to go to China. That was the plan from the beginning. When they hired me, they said they would eventually send me to China.、Mm-hmm. And I'd actually studied Chinese in college, and eventually, at some point, thought I would live in China when the time was right. And in the year 2000, I I thought that well, China will probably be admitted to the World Trade Organization, the WTO. China will probably get the Olympics. It's going to be It's an important country in the future, and I was concerned that that Americans, especially, would become fearful of China before、um, they really understood it. So, I because China would be an up and coming and a powerful country, and America tends to react to up and coming powerful countries with fear. So, I wanted to get there before all this happened and try to to lay a little bit of groundwork of what kind of country this is. I mean, not that one reporter makes that much difference, but. You know, I, I wanted to be there and understand China before、uh, the U.S. fear factor set in. And now, all of the things you mentioned all happened. China joined WTO and China got the Olympics, and you've been working in the past five years.、Mm-hmm. And the United States has occasionally looked at China as a scary、right. country. <laughs> you've been listening to the CDT China Cast. I'm Wu Nan, and thanks for listening.